you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Well, guys, if you're new here, this is not going to be an ordinary message. Sorry. Um, Gary, I need a volunteer. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, um, we did do uh, connect groups this week, and uh, for y'all need to know, we're, we're not trying to make Christians in our church. We're trying to make disciples. Um, I think mentally there's a difference. Uh, a lot of Christians believe. A lot of disciples train their life to look like Christ. And so we want you to know that we have a vision to see you grow, and um, it's not by just attending church on Sunday. Like, that's cool, but there's gifts inside of you that you need to learn to use. But, but growth, real growth, doesn't happen in looking like this. So, so when Jesus grew the church, he wasn't like, come out and hear me talk. But he was like, come and follow me and learn my ways and share and teach and preach and pray. And so we want you to grow. And we think that real growth isn't going to happen in rows, but in circles. And so I went to the men's um, group that Raphael launched this Wednesday night, and uh, he rented out on his own money. Uh, he's, I'm probably not supposed to tell you guys this. It's a secret. He's not here, so I'll talk about him behind his back. He, he paid for Hillcrest to be opened when they were closed, so they were, it was just open for us. And so if you're here and you're a man and you want to grow in your relationship with Christ, it was powerful. It was cool, and I'd encourage you to come out. It was really good. And so uh, we believe growth happens in circles far more than a dozen rows. I'm in a season in my life where I, um, uh, God's got me in some uncharted territories. I'm growing like I never have before. And as we were worshiping just now, a thought came to me. Like, this isn't part of my message, but I love worship. And today it was like easy. It was like so easy, you know? But I'm in a season in my life where worship is hard. And I feel like in moments that it's difficult it's when it's real worship. And I don't know if God's ever got you to that place where he's calling you to worship him. All the sacrifice. But I wouldn't challenge you today to recognize that like when we're really pursuing God, it's going to be a sacrifice. Our lives are called to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto him, you know. And so uh, when, it, when it's best is, is when it's the most difficult. And that's when you have the greatest breakthrough. We, are, uh, we have two weeks left to this series that we've been doing on the book of Daniel about God's people that were destroyed, that Israel was destroyed. People, all the buildings were burned and people were murdered and women were terrible things happened to children and awful things and people were enslaved and there was just gross things that were confusing probably to see. Daniel was kidnapped at a young age and he... Um, was raised in the palace, and they required him to do things that were not biblical, and he refused, and he stood and said, I'm going to be different, and because of how different he was, he lived a life that just obeyed God radically regardless of the cost. God promoted him and promoted him and promoted him and promoted him, and he saw the miraculous in his life in an ungodly society, and what I am recognizing right now is that this American Christian um, society is largely shifting to become an ungodly society so fast. I mean, so fast. I don't know what's happening under my feet, but it's like 
feels like the, when you're standing in the water at the beach and like the sand is just kind of shifting underneath you, you know? And uh, anyways, I am just trying to prepare our people to recognize that we're living in an ungodly society. And how, how do we do that when everything around us is not what it used to be? Daniel chapter 6. This is the last of the history parts of the book. We have one more sermon coming next week that is crucial to Christianity. And I think it's something that is largely not talked about at all. And we're going to talk about the end times uh, next week, the last days that Daniel prophesied about. And it's going to be, uh, it's just important. It's an important ingredient. I remember my grandmother when I was a kid, my grandmother was the only believer in my entire family. And um, I thought she was absolutely crazy. And every time I'd go to her house, she'd, she'd, she'd shake her Bible and she'd say, he's coming back. He's coming back. And I was just like, man, that lady's crazy. And what I realized is that there is a tone that is missing in this generation that is needed so much more than ever before. And you need to hear about it next week. Daniel in the lion's den is this week. And um, I've been preparing for this sermon for too many weeks. And for those of you that don't know me, you need to know that I, I get weird when I get overexcited. And I'm going to do that today. And so I'm sorry in advance. I don't, I honestly, sometimes I don't even make sense. Um, I say things that I, I watch it back and I'm like, here we go. Um, let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Today we're going to talk about Daniel in the lion's den. Kind of. Uh, would you all stand to your feet as we read God's word? I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 with you. And uh, I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It's my favorite translation just because it, it sounds more like English to me. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces. And he appointed the high officer to rule over each providence. And uh, the king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to surprise the high officers and protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself to be more capable than any of the other administrators and high officers because Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Man. Then other administrators and high officers began searching for some kind of fault in the way that Daniel was handling the government affairs. They couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn him. He was faithful, always responsible, completely trustworthy. And so they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection to the rules of his religion. Man. So the administrators and high officers went to the king. Long live the king. We are all in agreement. We administrators and, officer, and officials and high officers and advisors and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders for the next 30 days that any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Now, your majesty, issue a sign, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed and the official law of the, of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room. And with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. 
Then the officials went together to Daniel's house, and they found him praying and asking for God's help. <sighs> Jesus, help. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, this is um, probably if everything that I'm going to say hopefully is going to come back to what we just found out about Daniel's character, that he was faithful and consistent and that he had a great, consistent prayer life three times a day. Nowadays, it's, it's probably culturally accepted. I think that we have developed a concept of like praying without ceasing, praying all the time. And I, I think that that's awesome. I actually do that. And I, I find a lot of my breakthroughs to be in just random moments when I'm like taking out trash. You know, it's like a miraculous thing that happens. <laughs> my wife's like, oh, wow, God moved. <laughs> and God's speaking to me when I'm doing things like that, you know. But it's super critical that you as a believer develop a prayer closet in a time where you're alone and you're devoted and your thoughts are focused on Jesus. And Daniel did this three times a day. Muslims do this three times a day. So let's not miss the idea of spiritual disciplines. They're critical to your faith. Let's not pretend that we have a relationship with God if you don't have a relationship with God, right? I can't tell y'all that I, I'm, I'm dating Jennifer Aniston if I've never been on a date with Jennifer Aniston. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you have to be with Jesus to have a relationship with Jesus. Does that make sense? That was deep. Y'all didn't give me enough credit for that. Okay. It just came to me right there. It was like, I'm going to use that second service. Okay, cool. Um, so verse 14, hearing this, they, they went and reported Daniel. The king was deeply troubled, and he thought of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament, but he couldn't. And so what we find in verse 16 is that so, the, so the, at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the lion's den. And he said to the king, may your God, whom you serve faithfully, rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent that night fasting. I think that that's beautiful. That a heathen king ended up loving this guy so much that he spent the night in prayer because he just wanted to make sure he'd be okay. And it's funny how people will manipulate you to get their way and manipulate people that love you to get their way. I've seen this so many times. I'm going to keep going. Um, so the very next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. And when he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, the servant of the living God, was your God, whom you serve faithfully, able to rescue you from the lion's den? Daniel answered, long live the king. Man, can you imagine how, like, how he felt? Like, ah, oh, wow. Um, my God sent his angel to shut the mouth of the lions that they were not able to hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, and he ordered that Daniel be lifted out of the lion's den. Not a scratch was found on him, and he had been found trusted in God. Then it says in verse 25 that the king Darius then sent a message to all the, every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble in fear 
uh, before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people from miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and earth. For he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion's den. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyprus. Um, Cyrus, sorry. Um, man, when I hear this story, I get fired up, you know? And um, this is going to be a different tone probably than all of the other weeks. But when I look at this story, man, it's like, man, I want to see God's miraculous power in my life. Anyone else? Like, what a, what a glorious thing. First of all, I love lions. Like, I love them. They're my favorite animal. Anyone that knows me will tell you. Uh, and uh, they, to be able to hang out with them for a night, you know, and know that I'm not going to be hurt, it'd be pretty rad. Um, but God's miraculous power in this story is something that we've seen. And, and, you know, it's important for us to know is that God's miraculous power has been happening throughout all generations, it's not just in our generation that we see God's miraculous power. It's throughout history. Through the history of the church. This is not a story that was made up. It's documented. And it's actually, you can find these stories written in, in scrolls that confirm that these events happened with Daniel. That he existed in Babylon. And what I love about all this stuff is that like, when I think about what Daniel went through and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, And we saw their miraculous signs and wonders. What I want you to know is that, like, I don't think that our faith is supposed to look any different than theirs. But it feels like it does, doesn't it? And I think that that's a tragedy because I think we're missing some key ingredients. And so I just want to show you throughout time how important suffering is in the church. How important it is for you to learn to stand for what you believe in and speak the things that you believe. This wasn't just Daniel and his generation. See, we're just another link in the chain. And I don't know how long this chain will last before Christ comes back, but it's important that the generations that come after us can see the way the gospel was lived in our life and what linked through history and every generation that had gone before us and the way that they lived for Christ and the way they fought for their prayer life and the way they saw signs and wonders in their life because of the way they sought God. Does that make sense? And so when I, and I ask myself, why don't I see the same things that Daniel saw? Do I live the same way that Daniel lived? Now, just want to take you quickly through Scripture to show you so many of the people that were persecuted that saw God's miraculous power. Watch this. In first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, no, but I'm going to go first to the Apostle John. What we know is the Apostle John was, was, was persecuted, the, and, and it was said by many theologians. There's this dude that you can look up and, and, and read. His name was Tertullian. He documented many things from the first century church. And it was said that the apostle John was boiled in oil. And they couldn't kill him. They did everything they could to kill John. They had to send him to an island that he wouldn't be around anyone. And there he had a crazy encounter with God that you experienced the book of Revelation from. We read this from the Apostle uh, Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Listen to this. 
Five times the Jewish leaders gave him 39 lashes across his back. Five times. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he even got stoned. I mean, it says he was stoned. Joke. I'm sorry, I always have bad humor. And uh, he says three times he was shipwrecked and he spent the whole night adrift at the sea. Paul was beaten and beaten and beaten and beaten, yet they couldn't get him to shut up with the way that he lived with the gospel. He would not allow suffering to quiet him. And I want you to know that our faith is not our faith. We are linked to every generation that came before us, and we have a responsibility to carry the gospel with the same kind of integrity and passion as those that came before us. We cannot be cowards with the way that we live the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul was beaten and beaten and beaten, and he he would always see God's miraculous power until he didn't. Until one day, he actually got his head chopped off. And I want you to know, like, sometimes God radically saves, heals, delivers, rescues, and redeems. Sometimes he doesn't. And it's so important that we live with an understanding that we're surrendered to what he wants to do, and we're radically going to declare that Jesus died, suffered, terrible death, and was resurrected, and we will rule and reign with him for an eternity. It's an important message that the world needs to hear. And I call that these things, it's not, these things didn't just, they're not just Bible stories about the apostle Paul that suffered or John that suffered. And so I wanted to take you to, people ask me all the time, like, hey, what do you read? And I, I tried to read at least a book a month, sometimes a book, uh, 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 two books a month. Uh, but if I could list one of my top five favorite books of all time, it would be the book Jesus Freaks. Uh, it is, it's an old book. Some of y'all know the song. Okay. All right. So anyways, uh, super powerful book. And I want to read a similar story that happened here from the book of Daniel. Some of them have different endings. This happened in the 1960s in Bulgaria. The gentleman's name was Trofin Dimitriov. Trotrin could hear the dogs barking long before he reached the pit. And on the way, he prayed fervently for his enemies. The guards who threw him down, naked and hungry to the dogs. Immediately, there was a great howling that was heard. And when the officers looked into the pit, they saw Brother Demetrius kneeling in prayer, and the dogs were in a panic. Barking wildly, the dogs were trying to jump the walls in order to save themselves from the strange power that was emulated from from him. I mean, I want you to know that like the things that God has done long ago, we still see his miraculous power today. And it's so important that we live our lives surrendered to the gospel. Now, this is one of my favorite stories that I, I know in the scripture and, or, or from, from, from the book of Jesus Freaks. And some of you have heard me read this story about six times, and I'll probably read it about 17 times before I die, unless the Lord takes me soon. This is a, about a young lady who was 16 years old in Asia. The communist soldiers had discovered her illegal Bible study. 
And as the pastor was reading from the Bible, men with guns suddenly broke into their home, terrorizing the believers who had gathered there to worship. The communists shouted insults and threatened to kill the Christians. Leading, the leading officer pointed a gun at the pastor's head, and he said, hand me your Bible, he demanded. Reluctantly, the lead pastor handed his Bible over his prized possession, and with a sneer on his face, the guard threw the word of God on the floor at his feet, and he glared at the small congregation, and he said, I will let you all go, he growled, but first, you must get up, come here, and spit on this book of lies, and anyone who refuses will be shot. The believers had no choice but to obey the officer's orders, and a soldier pointed his gun at one of them, and he said, you first. The man slowly got up, and he knelt down by his Bible, and reluctantly, he spat on it. His father, please forgive me. He stood up, and he walked out the door, and the soldier stood back and allowed him to leave. Okay, you, the soldier said, nudging a woman forward. She, in tears, could barely do what the soldier commanded. She sped only a little, but it was enough, and she too was allowed to leave. But quietly, a young girl came forward, overcome with love for her Lord. She knelt down, and she picked up her Bible, and she wiped off the spit with her tears. What have they done with your word? Please, Lord, forgive them. And the communist put a pistol to her head, and he pulled the trigger. We have a responsibility to the gospel to live with boldness and with conviction and with passion. Now, when we entered in here, we try to get the air conditioning just right. And worship is easy and fun. And sometimes it's still not good enough for some. But please know, our faith is supposed to look like Daniel's. It's not there to be a cool story it's there to help us mold our life as to what we're supposed to look like. Now, I'm not an idiot. I know not everyone is like Cassie Bernaldo was from Columbine in 1999 that was assassinated in her school because of her faith for Jesus. I know that all of you guys aren't persecuted. But the reason why most of us aren't persecuted is because we're not saying it loud enough. Listen, 11 out of the 12 disciples were murdered, not because they were overly kind and compassionate and friendly to people. The priority of most of our lives is that we get people to like us. And the reality is I don't need you to like me, I need you to like him. And in order for you to like him, you need to know his truth. You need to know some things are out of order in your life. And the number one thing that's out of order in the American church is our comfort level. We're willing to worship when it's comfortable, but what about when he's calling you to pray? This is when it's real religion. It's when he's saying, on Tuesday afternoon, and everything's going on, will you come away with me? Because if not, our faith doesn't look like Daniel's, and then what does the generation that comes after us, what hope do they have? Sacrifice is what fuels the fire that's supposed to be on the altar of God. And our lives are meant to be that. 
inspired by what Jesus did for us. The worst thing that many of you will get is disliked on Facebook, ignored by a family member. Maybe some of you will lose your job. There are many people here that you said you can't talk about the gospel at work. Okay, I understand that. Where do we see that in Scripture? It's Jesus first. It's gospel first. It's the Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want is what I'm going to say. I'll be as tactful and as kind and as delicate as I can be, wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove, but I've got to make sure that I say the truth at the end of the day. This is not your gospel. And we're trying to make it a Christian gospel, an American gospel, an Amer- like, like it's not designed to be American. It never was. It's designed to be heavenly. It's his gospel. When I think about Daniel and the lion's den, I wonder, why don't we see that? And it I, brings me back to Daniel's devotion. The story of Daniel in the lion's den isn't about Daniel in the lion's den. It's about Daniel's fervency and consistent, faithful desire to come away with the Lord. The miracle was his surrendered life. That's the call of God. Super popular evangelist said once, we had an opportunity to meet with him. He was talking to 10,000 kids in a room one day and there was about 5,000 outside the building that the fire marshal wouldn't let in. And he said, hope I have everyone's attention. And he sat down on a stool and he said, I can feel the hunger for God in this room. So I need you to know that the greatest call of God is not to be a lead pastor. It's not to be a youth pastor. It's not to be an evangelist. It's not to save a soul. The call of God on your life is to die to who you are, to be born again, and to daily surrender your life to what God wants you to do. And when you do that, you wake up fulfilling where God wants you to be every day of your life. This isn't a one-time event. We've sung to the church, if you just accept Jesus, then you're good and you're in forever. We'll baptize the baby at birth and they're good for eternity. But just because I walked down an altar with my wife 14 years ago <laughs> doesn't mean I'm still married today. It's, I've got to be daily devoted to her. And my children want to see that kind of devotion coming from me. And I owe it to them and I owe it to her. And you owe it to the Lord and to the church to make sure that your life is still daily sacrificing because of the sacrifice that he's making for you. With or without the miracles. I look at the book of Daniel and I see a country that was torn apart and brought to a heathen country, and they tried to infiltrate their faith, and they couldn't because the guy was so devout to the Lord. It was so easy for the Lord to use him and promote him because the Father can trust him because he constantly came back to the Lord. The most 
I think one of the most important ministries that I have is not to our church, not to this pulpit, but to the Lord in prayer. It's there that this battle is won. I'm in one of the hardest seasons of my life right now. Every like day is like a warfare where I'm trying to battle and remind myself of the promises of God. We're building something down there like this church. I have no business being the lead pastor of that operation. You need to know. It's a divine miracle. I don't know where the resources are going to come from. I don't know how we're going to get it done. And every day God tells me he's with me. And every day I tell him I'm scared. And every day he tells me he's with me. And every day he tells me I'm scared. And you just got to know, like, I don't know what your sacrifice is or what your warfare is going on. But it's supposed to be, have a little bit of conflict in it. Let me make sure you hear the call of God from Jesus. If you could forget everything, maybe just hear this. Jesus said to his disciples, Remember, the Great Commission wasn't to go and make Christians. It was to go and make disciples. If any one of you wants to be my follower, then you must give up your own way. Take up my cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you'll save it. I got saved when I was 18, and I went from radical darkness to trying to come into the light, and it was a battle for about two years of just constant high-low. Like, I'm saved today and completely lost tomorrow and completely, like, fighting for my salvation. But I knew that God was calling me. But I've watched so many of my brothers and sisters fall away from the Lord because they choose to live a lukewarm Christianity that they don't even believe in. To think that you're going to marry the king of kings and it's not going to cost you anything. Anything that you want that's great is worth sacrificing for. And I... So maybe you'll be disliked on Facebook for taking a stand against Jesus. You need to know that culturally right now, the enemy's strategy is shifting. All he's doing is trying to mute our voices so that we're not talking about the Lord anymore. We're trying, we're, the church is getting more friendly and less godly. And you're gonna have to speak truth eventually. Do it with grace, do it with truth, right? Week two, grace, truth, grace, truth. It's all about grace and truth. I just, I don't. I think the most important thing that Daniel did was not what happened in the lion's den, but Daniel's coming together to the Lord. And that's where his life was surrendered, and that's where the miracle happened. Friends, church, he's calling you to prayer. Prayer is not the spare tire, man. It's the steering wheel. 
It's, it's everything. It's the engine to the car. It's relationship with the king. That's where the Lord moves in our life. That's where he speaks to you about the mysteries unknown in your life. That's where he equips your calling. That's where he changes your life and washes you of your sin and breaks your strongholds. It's in that moment that he wipes off the lies that we're believing and telling ourselves and tells us who we are as sons that are adopted. It's that that's in this place that he galvanizes us. I just don't want our faith to look like our faith. But I think we have a responsibility to make sure that we live like Daniel and John and Paul and we preach the gospel. Let me just say one more thing before I close. There's some of you that have been in the church for 20 years, 30 years, and some of you 130 years. Don't think that because you're not a pastor, you're not in ministry. That's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm not in ministry because I, am, I work at a church. We are all in ministry, doing ministry. There are people in your life that need Jesus. If heaven is real and hell is real, we have work to do. hope this made sense. I actually don't know. I'll watch it tomorrow. <laughs> I think that the miracle wasn't the, in the pit. It was in the upper room of his prayer closet. That's where we need to be first. Worship is easy when we're at the church. Worship when no one's around and now it's, now it's worship. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. It's not my words. It's the king's. You're here, and um, you need to know the Lord wants you to live for him. Please know that I am not saying that we stand tomorrow on our desk at work and start yelling. Jesus ministered with grace and with truth. But we can't be silent when the world is getting darker. If you're here today and you know that you've not been living with the level that God is calling you to and you just get a sense that you need to make some changes in your life, that's called sin. And you're willing to say, Pastor Tim, I need to make changes in my life today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You raise your hand right now. It's awesome. Jesus, I pray for those that are raising their hand right now. That you would baptize us with your word, with your spirit with your love, with your grace, with your compassion, with your salvation, with your deliverance. You would just heal us. God, wrap your arms around us. I thank you for the call of God that's on their lives. I thank you for the call of God that's on their lives. I thank you that you're calling us to stand and be different. I pray that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart is pleasing to you, oh God. 
I pray that you would put a boldness in this entire church that we would live for you. I pray that you would give us ears to hear your voice, your voice, your voice. You said that your sheep know your voice. Call us, God, away to be with you. We want you to be the first and highest priority in our life. And all God's people said, amen. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to close things. Um, this is how it's important for you to know what's going on before you leave. Some of you are visiting. Some of you have been here a million times. We're going to have some people down front that want to pray with you if you have anything going on in your life and you need prayer. These people want to pray over you and help you find breakthrough. For your friends, for your family, whatever you got going on. The last thing you need to know is that our strategy to help you grow spiritually is for you to connect in a connect group. I joined a men's group this week. There's Bible studies here on Wednesday nights. There's parents groups. There's disc golf. You can grow spiritually at disc golf. Depends on how good you are, I think. I don't know. I love you guys, and I pray that you pursue the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page at The Way Lakeland or Instagram page at The Way Church Lakeland.